Welcome to A Passion to Serve. My name is Don Kutnicki and I'm the host of the podcast. I've spent the majority of my professional career developing and implementing policies and programs to help break the vicious cycle of poverty that too many people endure. With A Passion to Serve, I bring you stories of individuals from all walks of life who are working towards similar goals and objectives. During our interviews, we discuss employment and training programs, Head Start services, financial literacy instruction, and so much more. And of course, I also speak to the people who are utilizing these programs to help create a better life for themselves and their families. I hope you decide to join me and learn about these amazing people who all have a passion to serve. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 3 of A Passion to Serve. Today, I'm speaking with Alma Cooper, graduate from Okemos High School in the state of Michigan and current West Point cadet. Alma, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good. So we just talked briefly before the interview started, and I know that you're back home for a little bit of time from uh, from West Point. Sounds like you're keeping yourself awfully busy here right now so far. Yes. You got to tell your parents to give you a break, tell you to let you relax a little bit. No, no, (laughs) no. It's all good. It's all good hard work. Okay. Well, wonderful. Uh, there were a lot of different reasons that I wanted to talk to you today. Um, and as I go through some of the questions I have, I think our listeners are going to find out why I wanted to have a conversation with you. So you are from the state of Michigan and you went to Okemos High School. And I get tired just looking at everything that you did when you were in high school, Alma, that you were captain of your volleyball and basketball teams, um, all-conference performer in track. You must get that from your mom because she was really good in track. Yes. Um, body rep, um, you did a clothing drive directive, and um, on and on, you were Miss Michigan Teen USA, and you were a participant in choir, and you even performed overseas as part of that, um, and then, you know, with everything else that you were doing, all the different events and, and volunteer activities that you were involved with, you still had time to work as a lifeguard while you were attending Oklahoma's High School. Where did that drive or what was this passion? Where did that come from, do you think, some of these different things you were involved with when you were in high school? I I think when I think about my childhood, I think about the amazing women that I've had the opportunity to look up to and that have helped raise me, along with my father, but especially the women in my family, my grandmother, uh, who passed away when I was a sophomore in high school. She worked full-time while also pursuing a, a degree. Um, and then my mother did the same thing at one point when I was growing up, pursuing her graduate degree while she was still teaching full-time and raising two daughters. And so I just admire uh, this ideology of never having the the privilege or the the concept in your mind that you can say, I can't. Um, That was not in my vocabulary, and it still isn't. And so I think that's where that that drive and that ultimately that motivation to just get it done no matter matter by the means necessary. (laughs) So... Was athletics something that came fairly natural to you? And, and I'm also wondering, along with that drive to succeed, you really have um, a real passion and a desire to give back. And, mm-hmm. and where does that stem from, do you think? So I think that with the athletics uh, here is that I've always just wanted to be active. I've always had a lot of energy. I've always been a very energetic person. And it wasn't just like being an energetic child It grow into what can I put my energy towards that um, I enjoyed running growing up. And so I would run with my mom and then that turned into playing, doing track. And then I picked up a volleyball and I started playing volleyball. And then my dad had always wanted me to play basketball. So I started playing basketball. 
So by the time I was in high school, I was playing three sports and it just became just my, my identity. I played all three sports throughout high school. Um, I was a scholar athlete of the year for Lansing State General, as well as Michigan High School uh, Athletic Association. Um, and then ultimately, uh, just bringing that into anything that I involved myself in, just that drive and that passion that uh, I have for giving back. And I think that stems from my family. Uh, and so my mom at one point was a migrant worker uh, when she was growing up in the third grade, working in the beet fields of Idaho. And then my father, uh, just growing up in a, in a very urban environment uh, where there wasn't a lot of opportunity and then finding a way for himself through the military it was incredibly inspiring for me. And where, how I ended up at West Point too, I think that all kind of connects where I've just found a commitment to service and uh, opening uh, opportunities for individuals who look like me uh, and have come from a minority background. So, you know, we've talked a lot about Alchemist High School so far, but there was a transition for you that at one point you were going to Mason High School and you made the decision or your family had made the decision to have you transfer over to Alchemist. What was the decision behind that? Um, so ultimately, uh, without getting too into the weeds, it was just a series of uh, experiences that were uh, tainted in a way that to me felt as though um, were because I was a minority. And so as a result of those experiences, I did not run away from a challenge. I had finished overcoming that challenge and learning as much as I could from that that experience and moved on to a more diverse uh, school where I found myself with uh, a very diverse uh, population of individuals who are my peers. And then what could I take away from that opportunity? And there were so many lessons. And ultimately, I'm so thankful that I had the chance to be in those environments and learn uh, how to respond in those spaces because uh, America is diverse and it's important that we embrace our diversity and that you find your voice through that struggle that can sometimes be found with diversity uh, being a minority. And going through that, I think, has made me who I am today, but has really stressed in my mind how important it is to give back to those individuals who don't have that chance to get out of those situations that don't feel right to them, where they may be experiencing racial injustice, excuse me, or prejudice. So just briefly, just staying on this just a little bit longer about Mason High School. I know for myself personally, Alma, that sometimes some of the most painful experiences that I had to walk through when I look back, it's always, you know, I never would have wanted or have chosen to have those experiences in my life, but I'm so much better off because of it because it, it broadens my perspective. And you were just kind of hitting upon that. When you were walking through that, when you were going through some of those experiences at Mason High School, um, what are, when you look at it, what are some of the takeaways um, that you have from that? And I also think, too, how do you, um, what kind of tools do you have that prevents you from becoming resentful or angry or some of those negative emotions? Because I know that that's a real easy place for all of us humans to get into when we're experiencing something like that. How did you move beyond that? So, from Ultimately, it was just learning about myself and being comfortable in who I am and what I have to offer and the amazing th opportunities that I've had uh, just b by the essence of being myself. And I think that relying on that and maintaining is what carried me through that, those, those tough times. And then maintaining that positive, optimistic, open mind 
personality that I think I pride myself on is how I, I steered away from that easy path of being resentful or negative or feeding into the negativity um, because I know that that's the easy option and I've never been one to say I can't or easy path. I've always taken uh, the, the, the path least traveled. I think that just having that open mind and something um, to learn from this, this experience is, is what got me through that. Well, I think you hit upon this already a little bit, but um, I work with your mom. She works for the state of Michigan as an investment education coordinator, and we participate in the interagency migrant services committee meeting. As you had already mentioned, your your dad served in the army for 24 years, retired as a major. Um, obviously, they set the bar very, very high for you. Um, how has that guided you? in terms of your overall perspective and, and maybe even your role. We're going to talk a little bit more about what you're currently doing at West Point, but how does that inform you and what you're currently walking through at West Point at this at this time? I think the, the role models that my parents have been for me my whole life, uh, to me, one would say I have big shoes to fill, but in an essence, I feel as though they have equipped me with the mindset and the proper ideology uh, to, to go after and achieve even greater things than they have. And it humbles me to know that they think so highly of me. But to me, I think of it as uh, someone, uh, my parents have been those individuals for me who have always uh, supported me, have always been a listening ear, um, have always given me advice when necessary, um, and ultimately allowed me to, to fail and, and fail uh, and go through those emotions and, and learn from those lessons and then apply those lessons learned to new opportunities that don't may not have clear answers, um, but they've all, they've allowed me to go through that process while still supporting me and being those that listening ear. And so incredibly grateful for that for that support system that I have. But then it allows me to look forward to who who can I inspire? Who can I or a support system for those who may not have it, but hope to aspire similar um, similar dreams. You know, you hit on something that's so important. The I think we don't do a very good job in this country in general in terms of putting ourselves in a position where we can fail, to have goals that are big enough to strive for for different objectives and dreams that maybe we don't quite reach it, but we learn so much through those experiences. I think that's so incredibly important. And I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. And along with failing, it's like, how do we fail? How do we get back and not that allow that to define who we think we are and just learn from it and move forward and not, not put some type of negative connotation that, well, I failed, therefore I'm a failure. It's like, okay, great. I learned something from this. Moving on, going to try something better, something different to see if we get a different outcome. Exactly. Um, you know, I and by the way, I do have to tell you that, um, unfortunately, I don't get to speak to your mom or see her as often as I would like to. But whenever I do, uh, she brags on you big time, just <laughs> all of the time. So she is so proud of who you are and everything you're doing. I do have to ask, I know that your mom was an All-American running track in high school and ran for Idaho State. Could you ever take her running? Oh, could I ever take her in the 800? Oh, no. Yeah. No, I mean, I've been, I've gone, I've gone to the track um, uh -huh. to do workouts in the summer where she would essentially, I would ask, you know, I want to hit X two mile yeah. time. 
Um, yep. And we would go to the track on like a hot summer day and we would do the workout and she would, she would, you know, call up my splits and tell me my pace and it's a repeat with X amount of time of rest. And she has no mercy. The workout is legit. And you, but when it comes to the end of the week and I do my time trial of that 3,200 meters, I will meet the time that I asked to meet, but it would not have, it wouldn't have been without those, those, that sweat and those tears, yeah. baby. Shed at yep. the track on that Monday or the Wednesday or the, yep. the speed yep. workout. Well, it's one of those things too. When you practice that hard, when you're actually participating in the event itself, the event's so much easier than all the time and practice that you're putting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, what can you tell me about your relationship with your sister? Yeah, so my sister is cognitively impaired, and um, there is a, a five-year age difference between her and I, and so from as young as I can remember, I've just always thought of Brooke as my sister. I've seen her no different. I've seen her as someone who, uh, for all my life, has been interested in the same things I am because uh, she's her, her cognition, uh, her cognitive ability, excuse me, uh, is kind of plateaued around the third, fourth grade level. And so from the time that I was growing up to like third, fourth grade, that we were in the same age group, same category of uh, ability and um, passions. And so now that she, uh, we're older and she is still at that level, I still I find myself being able to connect with her and, and share in very niche, just unique things that her and I just connect with, whether it's hair and makeup um, or uh, going to the thrift store. We love to go to the thrift store and just mm-hmm. play our own sense of, of uh, I don't know, fashion show, essentially, yeah. with picking out new items. Um, but just a, a unique bond because um, having a, a sister with, a, with special needs to me has taught me so much about myself as well as patience and how uh, crucial and essential it is to me as an individual to always be rooted in, in, in her and my values and my character is rooted in all of those unique experiences I've shared with her throughout my entire life and will continue to share with her um, because to me, I there that's such a unique experience and, and not many people have a relative or a friend or a sister, a brother who has special needs. And so I, I just cherish her. I cherish our bond. And I, I just am so blessed that I have been able to learn so much from her. My initial thought that must've been difficult for you to move away, going to West Point, it must've been difficult for both of you um, when mm-hmm. they happen. Um, yes. Well, it's interesting now because when I come back, um, sometimes Brooke expects it because she knows it's around the holidays, but she knows when she, when I, when I'm home, it's time for hair. I'm going to do her hair. I'm going to do her makeup. I'm going to, you know, we're going to go shopping. She knows the whole nine. She's going to get the red carpet experience. Uh, that's great. Um, so you're attending West Point. What year are you in West Point? Is it year three or year two? Yes, I'm in year three. Congratulations. That's, Thank you. That, so is it def- is it always you'll you'll be finished in four years? Is that always how it goes? Yes. So they're typically yes, four years is what they plan for every cadet to go through, unless for some medical reason you may need to extend your time. So when you think of West Point and what you've gone through and experienced so far, what are some of the real highlights and what are some of the challenges that really stand out to you so far? I'd say a highlight of my cadet experience has just been the people that I've met. I've met my best friends from West Point. Um, by the first 
person that I met on like my first day at West Point during Beast when I first got to West Point on our day uh, is my best friend today and her and I are incredibly close and um, I'm so grateful that I you know made the decision to come to West Point because hands down the people that I've met and been able to create relationships with is just irreplaceable in my life um, and then I'd say maybe just a, a challenge that I can think of right off the top of my head is just balancing everything. It's it's such a challenge just to learn how to balance everything. But at, at some point after your freshman year, you begin to get the hang of things. And I think that finding that routine and getting comfortable with a routine um, and getting back in the swing of things is always fun because, you know, you're struggling just like the person next to you. And so that almost makes it that much sweeter um, yeah. when you think about your experience as a cadet. And so overall just incredibly blessed and thankful for everything that I uh, have been able to experience at the United States Military Academy. Well I always hear that first year in particular is pretty rough. Was that your experience? Yes I think my plebe year was incredibly difficult um, but again it it was made because of the people and yep. just being around other other kids who were struggling um, and then finding those small wins throughout the day, whether it was finally you scored, a, you passed a, an intro quiz in one of your classes, or finally um, the, the teacher extended your paper for the class. There's some, some niche experience that you and your friends can just uh, cheer amongst yourselves uh, about. And I think that's what, that's what really made Plebeer great. So what, can you paint a little bit of a picture that, so typically when does your day start and when does it end, a typical day um, at West Point? My day starts around 6 a.m. is when I'll wake up because we have formation okay. around 6.30, uh, 6.45. Um, and then I get done with class around 1600 or 4, 4 p.m. And mm -hmm. then um, I'll work out or I'll run down to the volleyball gym because I'm a volleyball manager. And that's around two hours between either I'll work out for two hours or I'll uh, help down at the gym. And that'll be a, a two hours. So around 6 p.m. and then dinner and then as well as studying later on. So typically I go to bed around 10, 1030 p.m. Do you have an idea what you're going to do upon graduation in terms of your military commitment? So I want to branch military intelligence. And I'm looking to pursue a graduate degree in operations research. Hopefully, um, I'm right now, currently I'm applying for the Truman Scholarship. And so that's something that never in a million years, if you would have told me plebe year that I would have been nominated for this scholarship to just apply for this scholarship, I would have laughed in your face because I was like, I, I can't even, I can't even figure out like where my classes are. I can't even figure out like the ranks of the other cadets around me. Right. And to see just, myself become so comfortable in giving back to others and finding different ways where I can help others and then be just given the, the chance, just simply the chance to apply for this scholarship is, it, it, it just humbles me. I'm just so incredibly grateful and, and I just want to see what, what more can I do to help others because that's truly where my heart is rooted in and that I think is, will always be where it is. And so wherever um, this passion takes me is where I will go because it, it is truly something that I've found to be my purpose in life. 
Well, it sounds like then you might be considering a career in the military. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, sir. Because I knew it, I knew at one point, and I think maybe it had something to do with your relationship with your sister that you were looking at um, either neurology or pediatric medicine. Is that kind of mm-hmm. off the table right now? Yes. Yeah, so I originally started my freshman year with thinking that I wanted to go into medicine and I wanted to do that. Right. And I ultimately decided to be a mathematical science major. Um, and at the time, I decided to be a mathematical science major with a pre-med track, but I found that I was incredibly invested in what the math department um, preached and what their mission was and overall what their, their whole idea was, um, and especially just the people. Again, we're a people person, and so just working with the individuals in that department, I really found my home, and I found that, hey, I can really, I can really find myself doing something with this long term and so ultimately looking to be uh, a a pursue a graduate degree a master's in operations research and then uh, later down in my career i want to become an orso which is an operations research systems analysis so a functional area 49 uh, that job title is just an analyst and what you do is you're just solving uh, the Army's math problems, and that could be anywhere from modeling COVID and, you know, the pandemic or anything like uh, such as thinking about uh, how to diverse, diversify the workplace and what populations and how do we optimize the ratio of men to women or certain backgrounds, you know, just th- dealing with uh, human resources and trying to mathematically model that. All of these problems, though, are multi-domain and non-linear, and so they require individuals to think on an interdisciplinary scale and work with individuals who may not be mathematical science majors or have a math background. And to me, that's what interests me the most is because, again, originally I was thinking I wanted to go into medicine, but I found my heart being rooted in math. And so I, there's mul- there's people all over the world who have some interest in math or may have interest in medicine but found their way into math. And so whether you're an engineer or uh, a sociology major, there you can find ways to contribute to these uh, nonlinear complex problems that the world is facing today. Well, what message would you have for someone who might be struggling in life, whether in high school or, or at any point in time? What has worked well for you and what has served you well? I think what I rely on when I'm struggling or going through a tough time, because I'll be the first one to say that that does happen. Like I am just like everyone else. We all go through difficult things and I find mental health to be so incredibly important. And so I know that, you know, among this, this age group and this generation that I'm in, uh, depression, anxiety is a high, high prominent issue in, in our society and our culture as a whole. And so um, ultimately, I would just share that um, there is value in your story. Someone will be inspired by whatever you're going through right now. And by you simply just showing up and continuing to stay in the fight, that right there is so incredibly inspiring and has so much power. Um, and so I, I have found that for me, it just embracing my story, embracing who I am, and even though at times it may be difficult, it has given me a lot of strength and built my confidence to continue on this path that I found myself on. Isn't it interesting, Alma, that when you look back, you know, we'll just start at your time at Mason, that that wasn't a good fit for you for whatever reason, and then you go on to Alchemist, and it's, I always find it fascinating. It's like, all you have to do, what is the next right thing to do in that very next moment? What is the next best thing that I can do 
to move ahead. And then you look back over, you know, a year, three years, five years, and you just kind of step back and it's like, how, how did I ever end up here? I mean, just think about what you just shared and what you're experiencing already. I mean, I know that it was something that you were shooting for, but it's pretty amazing. And it's also pretty, it's amazing to me how quickly this stuff goes by too, isn't it? I mean, you're going to be graduating Mm -hmm. soon, Alma. That's pretty hard to believe, isn't it? Yes. It is. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time today for speaking with me on A Passion to Serve. And I just, I'm so thankful that your mom got me connected with you because the more she talked about you and about your experiences, I thought um, you're definitely someone that I wanted to speak with because um, it's really inspiring to me. So thank you so much for speaking with me today on A Passion to Serve. Thank you for listening to A Passion to Serve with your host, Don Kutnicki. You can follow A Passion to Serve on Spotify or subscribe to the sites that carry the podcast, such as Apple, Anchor, and Radio Public. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Until next time.